Welcome back, everyone, to Common Sense Choices to year number two. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Can you believe it? We have been together now for a little bit over 12 months, and I welcome you back. If this is your very first time, you guys, pull up a chair, enjoy the conversation. We're off to a great start here in 2023. Isn't it kind of weird to say the word 2023? You know, I think back, the only... Uh, the only like, comparison I can make in my mind is I read a lot of historical fiction, and it's always fun to read about people who were born in the 1800s but lived in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, and I'm thinking, that's me, only it's just 100 years different. <laughs> but anyway, well, Happy New Year to everybody, and if it is your first time, maybe you just stumbled in here by accident to our podcast, or maybe someone told you about it you know what? Leave me a comment. I would love to welcome you. If you're part of the group that this is episode number 31, can you believe it? 31, then thank you. It is because you have supported this, all these, um, uh, all these episodes that we have been so successful. So thank you so very, very much. And I hope you cost caught the last episode because you were the star of the last episode. I gave you my top 10 list from 2022 and you guys were on the list. In fact, you might have been number one. <laughs> anyway, well, first of all, thank you for being here. Common Sense Choices as built on the uh, mantra, which normally I'm facing the other way. Did y'all notice I'm in my kitchen? Well, really, I'm usually looking in my kitchen. And normally, you see my living room with a big seven-foot piece of art back there with our mantra on it. And that mantra is say it with me. You guys know it by heart. I am where I am by the choices I have made or I've allowed others to make for me. So deep cleansing breath in, personal responsibility. I am where I am by the choices I've made or allowed others to make for me. So if you want a different life, look in the mirror and say, I need to make different choices. And speaking of choices, they say that we're going to make 35,000 today before we go to bed. Now, no wonder you're tired when your head hits the pillow. But guys, a lot of those choices that might seem insignificant accumulate. Choices accumulate. And so you want to be cognizant of a lot of those choices that you're making. You chose to click this link. You chose to continue listening. You will choose to share it or to comment. And all of that accumulates over time. And speaking of commenting and sharing, that is how you get in the drawing for something wonderful over at lindatupin.com. So Linda Tupin, that's T as in Tom, O-U-P as in Peter, I-N.com is the very best way to ensure you never miss an episode because if you sign up over there, I'll think about you every week and then you don't have to think about me and I'll just email you the most recent episode. So head on over there. We've got some construction going over there. It's kind of like the interstate. So if you see some things that don't work, it's because we're making some big changes to my store. And so anyway, just be aware of that. But many of you may be listening on Apple or Spotify. Many of you may be listening on Facebook, on my Facebook page, Common Sense Choices, or you may be on my YouTube channel. Doesn't matter. Ever which way you get them is fine by me, but remember to comment and share. So our winner from last week, episode number 30, drum roll, please. She'll get something wonderful from my store is Jessica Forsberg, F-O-R-S-B-E-R-G. And believe it or not, she was a brand new listener. It was her very first episode. So congratulations. You're very lucky, Jessica. So expect something fun in the mail from me. 
All right. Well, before we get into this wonderful series on cooking, I want to uh, direct your attention to two people who make this podcast happen. Now, when it all started, I said, I'm going to bring all these wonderful people that have made my life great into your life. And some of them are people who offer services that I can tell you work. And I've had different people approach me about sponsoring my podcast, but I don't know them. I haven't used them. And I would never direct you somewhere that it doesn't work. So the very first person is my good friend, Curtis J. Hanna. Now, Curtis has been in my life for 20 years, and he brings a special skill set that you need in your life. So check out his website, curtis.pink. Anytime that you think you might want to throw this phone across the room or throw your laptop off of the desk because his skill is teaching you and helping you with your technology. And he does that so cool. Like he'll come right into your computer and your phone. You guys, it's so wonderful. And your first 10 minutes is free. And after that, then he'll charge you. And when you fill out the form at curtis.pink, when you fill out that form, he'll say, how'd you hear about me? And you remember my face. Okay. Remember my face and <laughs> remember the name Linda Tupin or Common Sense Choices. All right. Because he has been such a blessing to me and we want to be a blessing to him. And then my second sponsor is no stranger to this podcast. If you go back to my website or YouTube, where you can see all 30 episodes, this is the most frequented uh, podcast with the most frequent guest, and that is my functional integrative doctor that is responsible for my good health for the past 13 years, and that is Dr. Lena Edwards. You can find her at drlenaedwards.com, and she has a lot of areas of expertise, but mainly it's helping people stay healthy before they're broken. <laughs> so anyway, she does a lot of work with hormone imbalance. I just recently, this past year, became involved in Stronger Life, which is a one-of-a-kind, soon-to-be, hopefully, franchise something around the nation that is started by two local physical therapist doctors, and it is totally focused on people over 55, and these people are amazing. I have loved this experience. It happens in our CrossFit gym, but it's designed for people over 55. Anyway, they do a ton of... Uh, uh, workshops. And the very first one I went to was on osteoporosis. And on the big screen in the workshop said, there are three things that you need to get a handle on. One is your diet. One is your exercise. And the third is your hormone balance. Those are the things that help you age better. And so Dr. Lena Edwards has been an expert in this field. She's written books, she's trained doctors, and she has, um, you can actually ask her questions on her website. You can do all kinds of stuff. Also, guys, check out her Facebook page. I can't believe it if you do not follow her. The Facebook page is called From Barely Surviving to Absolutely Thriving, which is an appropriate name for her um, Facebook page. So be sure to follow that. But she started working especially with women on hormone and stress-related issues. So you name something wrong with you. And a lot of the times it's hormone related and it's stress related. And so she began to prescribe supplements to help with the symptoms. Now, guys, you're not going to take a supplement and fix all your problems. That's not how it works, but it'll help with some of the symptoms. Well, she designed her own supplement that kind of combined a lot of that. And that product is called Adrena Fem. Okay. And you can find it at the website adrenalogic.com. All right. Now, as soon as you log in, it's going to ask you if you've used it before, submit a testimonial, you'll get 15% off. Some of you are on your 20th or 30th bottle. 
And this may be the first time you've tried it. And if so, we have a, a code for you to get a $5 discount. It's called gift for me, the number four, gift for me. And you'll get a $5 discount. Now, everybody has a different symptom and this affects them differently. For me, I took one this morning because it helps with clarity of thought. I don't know if y'all know this, but as you get older, you get a little foggy. So clarity of thought, I'll take another one this afternoon and it just kind of gives me that burst of energy. Some people, it changes their sex drive. Some people, it helps with their hot flashes. Some people, everybody's different. That's why those testimonials are so fun over there. So give it a try. Those are our two sponsors. Well, let's get down to business. I have a whole series of podcasts planned for you in this room, in the kitchen. And so I'm going to tell you how I met the two beautiful women that um, are on my episode today. Now, I go around and I do a lot of leadership training and strategy training. And in one of those visits this summer to Morris, Illinois, I was doing a training and typically people give me a gift when I do training. And I got the best gifts, you guys, like the most amazing gifts. Like nobody had ever given me a gift like this before. And uh, her name was Jenny Tjell, and you're gonna meet her today. But over there is a proofing bowl, a, a bag of icorn flour, an icorn cookbook. There was all kinds of little goodies. And most of all, in a little jar was something called a sourdough starter. And I, I had had a starter years and years ago, but I'd never heard of icorn flour. I'd never heard of any of this. So now I've become a baking fool. I think over the holidays, I baked a loaf every day for somebody. And I was amazed at who said they couldn't eat bread, could eat this bread. And the more I learned about the bread, the more excited I became. And I love working with it. And so, you know, most of y'all know I was a home ec teacher uh, before I became uh, involved in my own, owning my own company as a Mary Kay consultant, director, national, and now emeritus. And so I do enjoy the whole act of baking. But anyway, so that is how I found this. And then we're going to meet the woman who introduced her to the product. And she is certainly no stranger to many of you. I consider her to be one of the healthiest people on the internet. I think there should be an award for that. She would get it. But anyway, both of these beautiful women have big families, big lives, busy schedules, but they know the importance of cooking healthy foods for their family. And so I promised you, I'm going to bring people into your life that will take you to another level. And these women will do just that. So would you please welcome, give me just a minute. We're going to bring to the screen, Jenny Tjell, Leah Lachlan, and we even have a special screen that you're going to get to watch Jenny's hands today work. Hey, girls. Hello. Well, uh, from Cole City, Illinois, we have Jenny Tjell, who introduced me to everything. And from Morrow, Ill uh, Illinois, Ohio, we have Leah Lachlan. <laughs> How are things today, girls, in y'all's town? It's oh, rainy. they're great. It's real rainy. Yeah, rainy, but warm unseasonably unseasonably warm i know uh i think our local weather said in one week there was a 90 degree swing we had gone to 30 wow. below and now we're at like 60 or 65 it was some crazy number and i'm sure yours is the same no wonder people are sick yeah <laughs> well we're gonna start first uh, with learning just a little bit about your lives because what we're gonna show people a lot of people may come up and say whoa that took a lot of time and you know I, I I 
I don't think it's any shock to any of you that I'm a little bit of a direct person, but when people tell me how busy they are, I want to slap them and say, please never say that because it's such an insulting comment about yourself. Like we all have the same 168 hours. We just choose to do different things with the 168 hours. Time management is value management. So please don't say that. You find time to do the things that you have value for. And both of you have busy, crazy, busy lives, very, very successful careers, but you also have big families. So um, Leah, tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, I would love to. Happy 2023, everyone. Linda, it's an honor to be on here with you and Jenny. And so I live in Morrow, Ohio, on the very first agri-community that... Um, was built in Ohio. We built a house here four years ago and we live on a 140 acre farm. And you wanna think of it like a golf course community, but instead of a golf course, it's a farm. And so it's farm to table living and we have farmers and we get all of our produce, eggs, meat, and even products from other local farms up at our market that we can walk to. Wow. And so we, we've been living here for four years with our five children who are 11, nine, eight, five, and almost a year old. Our baby's almost a year. And it's truly a free range sort of lifestyle. The kids roam on the 140 acre farm, often barefoot um, with all their friends. So it's an awesome way to do life. And it, it deepened my journey of health and food. Um, I grew up eating whole wheat bread when everyone else was eating Wonder Bread. And so I've always had a health background because of how my parents raised us. And then moving to this farm just deepened that journey in, in so many ways. And I'll share a little bit of them now. Um, but food, food is a high priority and wellness and eating real food and preparing real food and learning how to feed your, your children things that they love and that are actually nutritious for them. So um, so we've loved being a part of it. And um, and yeah, that's a little bit about our family. Well, you know, so many things that you just said hit home with me, Leah, because I think about how I was brought up. Everything came from our garden. Like we didn't buy anything at the store. Now we didn't slaughter our own animals, but, but that was the only thing that we bought off because we had a dairy farm and, and we didn't slaughter. But, um, you know, I think of, about that all the time. Now that's not to say we didn't buy processed other things like flour, white sugar, et cetera. But, you know, every generation learns what the, you know, I, I, I posted the other day on social media, you know, my generation, which is the boomer generation, we were far too trusting of the government, far too trusting of pharmaceuticals. We were far too trusting. And your all's age group and younger are much more like, let me research that and get back with you on that recommendation. And so I, I'm so happy to know that you all are taking generations behind you to a higher level. Jenny, what about you? Tell us about your family and your children, because you've got a crazy busy life as well. I do. Our life is abundantly full. I like to say we are very blessed. Uh, my name is Jenny Tejal. I live in a small town, Cole City, Illinois, and I have my husband, Derek, will be married 25 years this year, and we have four grown children. Um, my daughters, Alexis and Elizabeth, are twins. They just turned 23 a couple days before Christmas, and Olivia's turning 20, and my new son-in-law, 
Alexis got married. And so we have a, we have a son in law, Cameron. And so that's my family, but we grew up, um, we raised our kids much like Leah's raising hers. Uh, the subdivision that we live in, we're in a small town. We're very blessed. It was very much village raising. Um, the kids went from house to house. You never knew where they would eat or sleep, but you knew they'd be fed and be put to bed somewhere. And so I consider that a blessing being able to raise my kids that way. Um, and the way I grew up, my grandpa built a home that was first in our in the subdivision. He started the subdivision. And before subdivisions had rules and associations, um, he just bought a plot of land that he loved and built a house there. And there was a huge farm across the road from us at that time. And so we always had farm fresh eggs and that farmer provided um, chickens. And my grandpa grew everything we ate. My grandma and grandpa baked bread. I had the blessing of being raised by my grandparents. And my grandma and grandpa baked bread every single day for every single meal. My grandma down to churning the butter, like she made butter back in the day. And um, it was a foreign concept to me. I didn't know bread came in a bag until I went to a friend's house and it came from a store. And I was like, oh, well, why would you eat that? And I didn't know like SpaghettiOs were in a can. Like I just, I had never seen that because our neighborhood was multi-generational. It was a European neighborhood and all the grandmas lived with um, the families. And then I was raised by my grandparents and both my great grandmothers lived in the house. And so um, it was, it's such a blessing to have been raised that way. I didn't know it then, of course, but um, when I went to college and up until the time where my husband and I got married, I was struggling with severe hormone issues. I mean, I was migraines, debilitating. I had had uh, two strokes before my youngest daughter was born and uh, everything was hormone related. And so the more I started to research, when I got pregnant, I kept miscarrying. And so I kind of went back to my roots, like, okay, what changed? What changed between college and getting married that made a difference in my, in my life, in my health? And it was food. It was food. And the older I got, the more commercialized things had gotten. And farming became faster, better, more of. And so I really got into researching why were we healthy? I mean, my grandfather made antibiotics at home if we were if we were sick. Like he was boiling bourbon and squeezing lemon and adding honey. And I mean, that was our cough syrup. Like if we were sick, I mean, it just, that's how I grew up. And so I really started diving into, I don't want my kids to be like this. I don't want my kids. I don't believe every child has all these diagnosed illnesses. There has to be something. And so about a year before we started trying, I really invested in my health and started looking at that and food and all the things. And my grandparents were there to help me, um, which was a blessing. And they, my grandparents lived with us when my kids were small, as a matter of fact, until the end of their lives. And so it, it just was kind of a turning point. And I raised my, uh, we raised our kids holistically, very holistically um, on raw, raw dairy uh, that we had to get, you know, questionably. 
<laughs> so um, anyway, but we have a friend now who raises a lot of the food that we eat now. Even today, they have bought a farm. We have farm fresh eggs every morning. They raise chickens and beef and, and lamb and duck and just all the things that are so good for you. And uh, so I'm excited to be on this. And um, well, Leah, I'll let you talk about Einkorn first. <laughs> Go into the change. Well, you said so many things there, Jenny, that resonates with so many people because those of us in the boomer uh, generation look around and think, when did everybody get so sick and have so many allergies? Because we never heard of those things. And some people will say, oh, they existed, but they didn't know what was wrong. I don't necessarily believe that. I think something changed. And I think you hit on it. And, and Leah, I'm sure that you're going to address all of this with the flower. But uh, again, I'm just so proud of you all for uh, just being such great examples for taking people back to their roots. And I think more and more millions of people want to live lives like you all. And so uh, we're going to we're going to give the screen to you for a moment, Leah. And so let's talk a little bit about this flower and your journey and what brought you here. Yes, yes. So I'm I'm going to give you like a little education on bread and einkorn and sourdough, because if you're interested in starting your own wellness journey with food, whether it's bread or something else, I think it's important to understand the why behind it. And Jenny kicked us off really great with that. So about two years ago, we found out that my six-year-old, who's now eight, had an autoimmune skin challenge. And knowing that we are what we eat, and I already knew that that's such a core part of your health and wellness. My very first step when we found out he was struggling with this was to tighten up our food. And we were already on a great track. Like I told you, I had grown up in the wellness world. I was deep into that, that world, but I knew we could tighten some things up. And so my mom had been baking bread for a while. And she was telling me about this new wheat she had discovered. And she's into wellness and food. Um, she's a great uh, cook always has been a great baker. We've always had homemade meals. There was never a meal that we didn't have a fresh green salad um, when growing up. And so I came from that, but she had five kids and she didn't like cooking and baking with all the kids around. So we were always shooed out of the kitchen so that she could do her thing. And so although I grew up that way, I didn't know a whole lot about the process because you know, God bless my mom. She did the best she could, but didn't involve us in that process. Okay. So I'm like, okay, mom, come over and tell me about making bread. I got to learn how to do this. And she was telling me about this new wheat she had discovered, which is called einkorn. And so that was October of 2020. She came over to my house and she taught me the entire process. <clears throat> and, um, and, and from that point on, I've made about on average, about two loaves a week for our family, sometimes more. Um, like Linda said, during Christmas, I think I baked something every single day during Christmas break for our, our family or other families. And um, and that my mom started me on this journey. And so, so why Einkorn and why starter, sourdough starter? And then what's happened with our bread? What in the world has happened to bread and wheat? Let me fill you in. Let me give you the scoop on that. Um, so everyone loves bread, right? It's like that comfort food that is so yummy. And when you put butter on it and when it's warm and when it's fresh, it's just such a comfort. And there's not many people who don't love really good bread. And I believe it is supposed to be good for us and that it's supposed to be a part of a healthy diet. But it's not anymore because what has happened to our wheat over the past 50 or so years, um, it makes you fat now. Most diet and wellness programs cut it out of your diet. 
way too many carbs. It's difficult, difficult to digest. And there are 18 million Americans now who are sensitive to gluten. Um, unfortunately, modern wheat makes a lot of people really sick. And in the United States, bread sales have actually gone down 11% over the past five years because more and more people have to cut it out of their diet, not because they want to, but because they have to. Um, so what, what has happened? And it started with the Green Revolution. That was the third agriculture agricultural revolution that happened in about the 1950s that has forever changed what wheat used to be. Okay, so they started using more pesticides and chemicals and they started modifying grain for high yield crops. And so all of these technological advances have created this reality that bread is this mass produced wheat and bread is this mass produced product to the extent that it's lost most, if not all of its nutritional value. Okay, so ancient wheat is far, far different than modern wheat. They're two vastly different products and uh, it produces vastly different results for your, your overall health and wellness. Um, here's a quote from Dr. William Davis. He's the author of Wheat Belly. That would be a good place to start if you wanna start learning about bread and what's happened to our wheat and our bread. Um, he says, this thing being sold to us called wheat, it ain't wheat. It's this stocky little high yield plant, a distant relative of the wheat that our mothers used to make bread with. Genetically and biochemically, light years removed from wheat, what wheat was only 40 years ago. Um, here's another res resource for you guys. It's grainstorm.com. Um, <clears throat> here's a quote from their website. They say, we have mutant seeds that are grown in synthetic soil, bathed in chemicals. They're deconstructed pulverized to a fine dust, bleached, and then chemically treated to create this barren industrial filler that no creature on the planet will eat except humans. And we wonder why it's making us sick. Okay. So those are two resources if you want to learn more. Um, so einkorn, let me give you the scoop on einkorn. It is the most ancient species of wheat and all wheats are actually a descendant of wild einkorn. But here's the thing with einkorn, it's not an easy wheat to grow or to mill or to work with. Like if you went and bought white flour and tried to make uh, sourdough, it's a far easier process. Einkorn's very sticky. And so it makes the process a little bit more, more challenging. Um, and its yields are very low. So about one fifth of modern wheat yields. And so it has never been a very popular wheat to the point that it almost went extinct. And so, but its unpopularity is what saved it. Okay, so its seeds, it, they were never harvested or bred for improvements and modification. And so it's this relic ancient grain that has remained as nature intended it to. Um, it contains 30% more nutrients and protein than modern wheat. It has 15% less starch, so lower in carbs. Um, and it lacks certain gluten proteins that can be very difficult to digest. So it's not gluten-free, and that's important to know, but it's far different than the gluten that we consume in a normal loaf of bread from the store. Um, even my brother-in-law, who has cel celiac disease, um, he can actually eat einkorn, which is not, I would not recommend that if, if you have celiac, because usually all wheat is off the table for you, but in his case, he can actually eat einkorn.
um, it does remain as the only wheat that's never been hybridized. Um, so that's the scoop on einkorn. And then let me finish with why sourdough and just a little bit on the fermentation process. And then I'm going to turn it over to Jen Jenny and she's actually going to show you how to do all the steps. So, um, so why sourdough? <clears throat> because you can make other breads without starting with a sourdough starter, but I would highly recommend doing that because the fermentation process, it acts in your gut like a, a prebiotic. Okay. And so it's feeding the good bacteria in your gut. It's, it makes it easier to digest and it, there's a lower glycemic index. So it's not spiking your blood sugar levels like other uh, modern bread can. Um, it's lactic acid bacteria is the primary bacteria that is produced in a starter. And all a starter is, is wheat and water. And you put it together and they basically feed off each other to create um, lactic acid bacteria. And it gives you this wide range of diversity in the bacteria in the microbiome of your gut. And gut health is everything, okay? If you have a health issue, it's either your gut or your hormones, typically. It can be traced back. And a lot of your hormones are impacted because of poor gut health. Um, and so you want this diversity. If you create this diversity in bacteria in your gut, you have this army that's working for you down there that is protecting all the other systems, hormones, processes in your body. And so actually one of my son's doctors, she's like, "What? tell me what kind of probiotics you guys use. So I listed out some we use it. And she's like, you know what? You could probably stop taking most of those and just start eating fermented food every day. She's like, the probiotics, they're great. Even the best probiotics are, are good, but there's such a narrow range of the bacteria that you need, whereas fermented food gives you that vast variety and diversity. And you have this, again, you have this army working for you in your gut when you eat fermented food. And so we've started um, on this whole fermentation journey um, with the, the sourdough starter, but I started fermenting everything. I ferment my oats when I make granola. Um, I make sauerkraut and even a couple forkfuls, like I'll take sauerkraut, put it in a little bowl and my kids will get just a couple forkfuls. You don't have to eat like a whole ton of it. Um, just a few forkful, forkfuls at dinner is going to help so much. Um, we make our own yogurt. Um, even our starter for pancakes, we'll add the einkorn leaven to pancakes We'll add it to muffins. We'll add it to anything I'm baking. I'm going to add that um, that leaven that started with the starter that creates all this fermented food, which is super yummy and also incredibly impactful on your health. So that's the scoop on einkorn and starter. And so Jenny, we're ready to watch you do your magic in the kitchen. <laughs> oh my gosh. I took two pages of notes just while you were talking on oh my word. And, um, uh, I just want, I want to say to everyone, uh, you knew we were talking about just how much we love bread and whatever. Here's a couple of things. Cause you know, I'm two months into this process. Okay. I'm two months into this process. So I think I'm a good person to have on here is I have noticed if I have a piece, just one piece of this bread a day, I'm not even hungry. Like I kept saying, Katie, I should be hungry. Like, I, and, and it was just because it felt so good in my system. And I will tell you, I have someone in my life who just swore off bread, swore it was the root of all their problems, you know, and they love this 
spread. Like none of their symptoms happen. And of course, we're not doctors and we're not here to tell you that all your problems go away, but you can put one and one together to get two. So Jenny, you're going to show us all these steps, which we're so excited about. So girl, let's start with you. So um, Linda, my sourdough journey um, it, you know, through the research, but bread was one of those things that I had cut out. And, um, I was probably one of those people that maybe would have been diagnosed with something when I started having issues. And so Leah and I were just talking and she had told me about her son and just out of happenstance, it came up like, Jenny, I wonder if you could eat this bread. Like, I wonder if this could work for you. This is what I'm doing. I had asked her a couple questions and she's like, I wonder if you could eat it because I grew up with bread and it was such a comfort for me. And it was like homey and I loved it, but I missed it. I actually had a sourdough starter that was over a hundred years old of my great grandmother's. And when we lost our home in a tornado, the sourdough starter got thrown away and I was like, well, that's okay because I can't eat bread anyway. So it kind of brought more of a pain for me to continue to cook, bake this bread that everybody else could eat that I couldn't enjoy. And so Leah told me that she would walk me through it. And, um, I did not have a starter. So that's the first thing that I do want to tell people. First of all, this is not going to cure all your issues. Like, you know, I always tell people if you have, because the gut is directly related to the brain and there's just so much. I mean, I've probably spent hundreds of hours just studying food and I'm an excellent cook. So just getting in the kitchen and messing with things. But I always tell people start with the process of elimination cut out anything boxed, prepared, jarred, canned first. Start there just with food that comes from the ground or off an animal and do a process of elimination for yourself. And of course you want to see your doctor, but um, I've, I have not had anybody in my life who can't enjoy the sourdough bread. So I'm excited about it. And I started my own starter because you don't know, we don't live local to each other. I didn't want to wait until I saw her so she was like, this is what I'm using. This is what my mom did. And even some questions that I asked her, she didn't know because she didn't start the starter. It was gifted to her. So it's not that difficult. It's also, we were talking earlier, Leah, it's a very forgiving um, process. The, the bread process, the recipe, the sourdough, it's very forgiving. I've never made anything that I have to throw away. Even neglecting it, unfortunately, for a little bit won't kill it. But um, you know, it just, I was one of those people who had gained a lot of weight. And so I cut out all carbs. And so when I found this, it was like heaven. And now I give it to everybody. But we do keep a starter on our, our counter and make a little crepe every morning. I make these little homemade crepes every single morning. And so this is what um, it kind of looks like. It's nice and bubbly and healthy. And I just mix up two, three, four, however many eggs with this batter and just make it like a really thin crepe in a cast iron skillet. And we literally have that every morning. Um, and I don't have any problems at all eating this type of sourdough. So the starter typically, once you have an active starter, you're gonna keep that in your refrigerator. And Leah, feel free as I'm working too, to jump in and, and give your input yeah. you too. Um, but this is what my refrigerator starter looks like. You can see it's nice and healthy, it's bubbly. Um, sometimes it, it'll go back and forth. Like it'll get more liquid. It'll get stiffer. It depends on a lot of things, environment, like 
Leah had told me before she bakes, she always leaves it out the night before to kind of wake it up so that it's ready right before she bakes. And so that's kind of what I what I do. This was taken out of the refrigerator yesterday, so it was nice and woken up this morning. Um, and so now this will go back in the refrigerator and I just refresh it once a week. And uh, again, it's very, it's very forgiving. So if you go on vacation and forget, and I've done that, you could just scrape off the top, use it in some pancakes and continue to refresh your starter to bring it back to life. So yeah. that was in the refrigerator. And Jenny, I don't think I ever told you that my mom gave me a starter and I also had a very good friend give me a starter. Um, but then I wanted to try my own just to know that I could do it on my own. So I actually did follow the, the starter instructions in the cookbook, the Einkorn cookbook. Do we yeah. have to show them? Um, I, yeah, they have, they have instructions to start your own starter. It's stupid, simple. It's not complicated. You just add water and you t follow the steps to add water and wheat. And it just takes several days to mature. Um, so it's very, don't feel like you have to find somebody with a starter to get going. Cause you can make your own starter with that cookbook. Yep. And it's very easy to follow. And there's also a ton of YouTube videos out there too, that'll help you. So when you first start making bread, you want to make 11. And here's the key that I have found that is really helpful when baking with this dough. You always want to add your warm water first and get that leaven or starter really nice and light and bubbly. And then when a leaven is ready, it kind of bubbles up with these nice little air bubbles. And mm -hmm. so you could see that that's a nice, ready, warm leaven that you could start baking with. Right. And question yep. for you, Jenny, because water. there is recipes in the book where you just use starter to start the whole process. There's recipes in the book where I have to take my starter and make 11. So what is the difference between just going straight at it with the starter and making the leaven? Because all leaven is, is just more starter in a bigger amount, right? Right. Yeah, so I think it just depends on the recipe and what you're making. I don't know that it necessarily changes the health benefits, whether you start with a starter or you start, okay, so step one, starter, get your starter happy and bubbly, right? Okay, step two, in most bread making processes or um, recipes in the book is to take the starter and make 11, which what Linda said is just expanding your starter and making it a little bit more watery, okay? And then you take that leaven and you make bread or follow whatever recipe. Linda did an awesome, like what, focaccia, flatbread pizza recipe. She sent us a picture of it. Um, so you can make a lot of different things with it. But starting with the starter, I think it just depends on the recipe or the type of the type of bread you're doing. But most recipes, I do starter, leaven, bread making process. Okay. Me too. Right. Me too. And also know that this is a this flour absorbs the gluten very, very slowly. So almost the more dense the bread is, the more, um, the more time you have to give it because it's gonna make your bread more like the commercial bread, a little lighter, a little airier. And I find that the leaven helps you do that. Like the lighter and the bubblier that the leaven is, but there's excellent notes in that cookbook that you could read about that because there's also recipes in there where you can use regular uh, yeast 
too. Mm-hmm. I just I don't bake a lot with yeast um, because of the the sourdough, the starter. It's just so good for gut health, and those prebiotics are just so essential. So I always love to start with a leaven, but there are some faster ones where you could just whip it up, and it's just a different type of bread. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the other thing, my grandma always said, you keep liquids together and you keep dry ingredients together. So that's always very important to know too. And I don't know why, but um, she always said, when you're making your flour, you make a little hole in the center for your salt. You don't just sprinkle salt. And I don't know why, but my grandma said to do it. So that's how I do it. And I put my little salt in the uh, little hole and then you're going to mix your flour and salt together and this is just a dough hook that I'm using there's different tools that you can use because it is a very sticky dough and I had a problem with the transitioning at first because I was used to typical bread and I (laughs) called Leah and be like this is so sticky it's all over Mm -hmm. my head but you do learn to work with it and you do get uh, used to it and then um, you take your leaven And I like to personally use a kitchen scale. It's just kind of more of an exact process. And you just add your water to the leaven. You don't ever want to do it the other way. And I'm watching my numbers here. You don't ever want to do it the other way. You want to add your water to the the leaven. And you can kind of see that it's going to get lighter and airier and more bubbly. And this is just the basic sourdough recipe and so you just whoops you just want to mix that up and, and Jenny she probably left that leaven out overnight right Jenny that I might did. be important for them to know like you took the starter to make the leaven but then it was probably overnight that it sat out right I did let my leaven sit out overnight just because that's easier for me and then I'll usually start yeah. this process in the morning so that the three to five hours that it's then rising, I can then bake my bread later. So then I can work during the day because we own, I own three businesses. So um, I'll usually do this in the morning, mm-hmm. rise while I'm doing my work day, and then I'll throw it in the oven. It'll come out at night. Usually that, that works for my schedule. Um, and then basically you just mix it. That's my spatula. And Jenny, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll comment uh, on something you just said about your schedule for doing it. Um, once I got the hang of the routine of making this yeah. bread that she's showing me right now, it became very, at first it was very complicated in my mind. I'm like sourdough, okay, 11, okay, it has to rise. It was a complicated process, but then I got the hang of it. And now it's like stupid, simple, don't even have to think about it. And for all you busy moms out there or people who don't feel like you have like, Lord have mercy, where am I going to find the time to make bread, right? Well, I incorporate it into what I'm already doing in the kitchen already. Okay. I have five kids, so they expect to be fed multiple times a day. (laughs) So I'm in the kitchen anyways, after school, making their lunch. So then I'll mix the leaven together real quick while I'm making lunches or doing dinner prep. I'll take another step in the bread making process. So now it doesn't feel like this separate thing I'm doing. It's just incorporated into what I'm already doing in the kitchen. So it's not necessarily a big extra thing once I got the hang of the process. Right. And Leah, I will add to that too, that even if, because life is life, right? Even today, the best laid plans, you know what they say about that. So sometimes I'll, 
I'll be all set up and have my leaven ready out the night before and something will happen that requires my attention and I cannot bake that day. So yeah. I've been thrown my leaven back into the refrigerator and one time I had to leave it in there five days. So don't be afraid when the cookbook tells you like only leave it in there for, you know, overnight. Well, all I did when I took it out was I split it and then I just woke it up with that warm water again to create the amount that I needed. So it's very forgiving and you'll kind of figure that out as you go. You'll know how it needs to feel and what it, what it needs to do. So then typically, um, once you've mixed your starter with your leaven, let that sit out overnight and then you mix your leaven into the amount of flour that you need, it's going to look like a sticky mess and it's going to be stuck all on the sides of your bowl then what you're going to do is just cover this and um you could just use a plate you can use whatever you put over it and then you're just going to let this sit at room temperature for about 15 minutes so once you leave this for the 15 minutes and i already have it all <laughs> i'm the next one ready so i already have one ready. And, and we need to give jenny a million accolades for having all of these steps ready this took a lot of time to do this and i, I want to affirm what jenny just said about forgiving you're it's really hard to mess this up because i told the girls yesterday i still don't have a scale i just throw the stuff in there basically what it says and you know a lot of my steps look very similar to Jenny's and some of them even look different, but my bread turned out great. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's what you need. Don't be afraid of it. Like, oh my gosh, I missed that by 30 minutes. It'll forgive you. It'll mm -hmm. still taste good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and both both Linda and Jenny had more of a background in cooking and baking than, than I did. Um, but I have never, even when I was learning the process, I've never made something we couldn't eat and enjoy. Nothing was ever, even if it didn't turn out ideally like you would want it to, we all have been able to eat everything and enjoy everything. So if that gives you a little peace of mind or hope that if, if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> And it's very forgiving process, even if you can't follow the recipe exactly. It really is. It really is. So now this step is this bread from this recipe, you turn it three times and then you let it rise for three to five hours. So this bread has already been turned um, twice. And so this is my third time. And you can see the way that it started, how it looked really sticky and it was kind of all over. And now it's like this nice, beautiful little round risen loaf, almost taking up the whole, I use the same size bowl so you could see the growth process um, so that you could see how it grows. It's nice and warm um, because that tends to happen as it's rising. And so with this process, this is after the final turn of the dough you put it in either a strainer or a proofing basket. So you're just going to flour your, if you've never baked lightly flour, heavily flour, it's not that serious. Don't worry about it. Just flour your work surface. That's the point um, because the bread will absorb the flour. These dough scrapers are my best in dealing with this type of bread coming from conventional. And I, I will tell you, flour. I never, used a, a dough scraper until you gave me one. I thought, how did I live for all these decades without right. a dough scraper? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
when kneading because you could see it's still look at that see it's still sticky so let me show you a quick jenny tea gel tip i stick it in my bag of flour <laughs> and i get all that so that it kind of stays on there so in this last turn what happens and um i also think something that probably we might want to mention you know the cost is not going to be like going to your local grocery store and buying a bag of typical flour. So you really want to make sure that you don't waste any. So I'm really frugal with my scraping, my tools, and I really try to get all that goodness in here. So I'll show you how to turn the bread and then I'll show you what happens after the third turn. So you're just going to knead it, scoop up the flour and knead it several times until it gets smooth. You don't want, if you do know how to bake um, regular bread, conventional bread, there's a punching down method. You don't want to punch down. It's very important not to do that because you don't want to get rid of the bubbles. The bubbles are good. So you're just kind of picking it up and more folding it when you're kneading until it gets smooth. And don't be afraid to add a little bit more flour. Then you also don't want to punch down. You want to stretch it. Yeah, a little bit sticking. So um, if you have a problem with your bread being too sticky at first, wet your hands. I know it sounds funny, but if your hands are a little bit wet, the bread won't stick to it. The dough won't stick to your uh, hands. So you just get this into a nice little oval. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then you're just going to fold it four times. Then you turn it upside down and you're gonna put it back in that bowl with the lid on it. And that's when it's gonna rise for three to five hours. Then the last time that you take it out, which this one is ready, you're just gonna stretch it. It's not gonna look like it normally looks because I folded it, <laughs> but it'll be okay. So you're gonna kind of make it into an oval and then pick up just the edges and put them into the center because you want to make a little ball and you could just do that as much as you want to you just the point is to get a nice tight little ball because then you're going to turn it over flour your top a little bit and then there's a process of turning it and when you're turning it just like this, I've had them break open and be almost liquid, sticky. So I just sprinkle more flour. It's don't be afraid of adding more flour. It's not going to be like typical bread where it makes it chewy or too heavy. It'll, it'll be fine because it absorbs it very slowly. So once it kind of sticks to your counter and it gets hard to turn a little bit, we use um, proofing baskets instead of a colander because it's a little bit easier to work with. So you are just gonna heavily flour the proofing basket. And then I just dump that on the top of the bread instead of wasting more flour. Turn it again since I was talking. And then you just use your scraper to pick it up. You're gonna turn it upside down. I use the excess flour just right there on the top. And some of them come with these handy little covers. Mm -hmm. So I just place the cover over it. And then you're going to let that rise for three to five hours. And it'll almost come just above the mm -hmm. rim of the basket. But if it doesn't, 
it's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> now, and, and I will tell you, because my grandkids love to bake with me, that, you know, uh, that everything you just did with the scraper and the folding and the what people would call kneading, but not quite kneading, is so much fun for kids to do. And, yes. you know, and you guys, I cannot stress to you enough, you can skip some of these steps, some of, some of the turning and some of the, and it still turns out, it is amazing how you can make so many mistakes with it. And we're going to give the audience links. It'll be in the text where this was posted. Everything you're seeing us use, the book, the, the basket, everything, we're going to give you links. So you will be able to research it. And I think it was you, Leah, that, or maybe Jenny, that said, there's incredible YouTube videos by the flower company that we're using, the woman who really kind of taught the world to do this. I watched those over the holidays. And first of all, I was proud of myself for actually knowing that I was kind of doing it right. But you will, and then they're fast, just like Jenny did. You know, she's got it in stages. So you guys, you can go to YouTube and Google Icorn Bread. And I think the company is pronounced Jovial. Jovial. Yeah, Jovial. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she did, she has amazing YouTube videos. So now this one has risen for the amount of time um, that it was supposed to. I think it's three to five hours. I lost my book somewhere, but <laughs> um, I think it's three to five hours. So then when this is ready, the key to do, oh no, it's 90 minutes. So after the third turn, then it rises for the three to five hours. When you take it out, then this has been rising for 90 minutes. During that process, I preheat my oven and then put my Dutch oven in the oven because you need to preheat that at 500 degrees for 30 minutes. So it's perfect timing if you preheat your oven before you start this process. By the time that's done, you've got it in the proofing basket and then usually about the last 30 minutes you've preheated your your pan in the oven, and then this is ready to go. So this is kind of what it looks like, and mine did not raise over the edge this time. I don't know why, but um, this is what it looks like when it's ready to go into the pan. So I'm gonna kind of, you can see my ovens, right? So I've got my pan in here already, and you wanna turn your oven down to 450 during the baking process. So I'm gonna grab my pan here. And I will just say that step you're doing right now is in my opinion, what makes this bread turn out so beautifully. Yes. It's a 500 degree heated Dutch oven for 30 minutes, mm. even you know before the bread even goes in the oven. I just think that makes a huge difference. I agree, Linda, I agree. So then, this part is important. Um, you want to turn this upside down and get it into the pan. So kind of shaking it and then just let it go. Um, if it kind of sticks to the side, it's pretty simple to just pick it up and shake it. Can you see that? So it looks oh. so cute. I love how that looks. And then fine. Linda, they're so excited. <laughs> I was sharing with Linda, there's actually an art class that you could take to decorate the top of your einkorn sourdough loaves. I guarantee you, 
probably the three of us will never be doing that, but you could do it if that's your thing. But um, I'm gonna try to turn this so that you could see me decorating my loaf. You wanna cut it because they can explode. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to kind of cut, um, you know, my husband's favorite is the tic-tac-toe board. So that's the one I usually yeah. default to. And then it just looks like the pretty picture on the, um, on the cover of her cookbook. And then you put your lid back on and we're just gonna pop that in the oven. And all those lines she made, you guys, it just lets the air escape and makes the, the bread look pretty. Now I have put a loaf in the oven many times and forgot to do the lines and make it look pretty. Oh. It turns out just fine. It's just cracked. It's it, it's not a design. That air is going to get out no matter what, whether you put lines in it or not. It just depends on how pretty you want it to look. So, and, and she even got one coming out of the oven. Oh my god! Oh, look at it. That's so beautiful. So I put it in right before we started, so that I had one that came out. <laughs> and uh, this one I just kind of cut differently. And so you could see that's your complete sourdough loaf when it comes out of the oven. That's what it looks like. Um, my family's favorite way in the winter, I make a lot of homemade soups. And so we do not live by the rule to let the bread rest <laughs> for an hour. When that thing comes out, I'm going to, Linda, when you end this, I'm going to guarantee you Jenny T. Dell is cutting into that loaf. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So, but my family's favorite way, we just have a little um, bread basket and I wrap it into a towel or these uh, little beeswax papers that they have. That's my favorite because it holds the moisture into the bread. And uh, we just love to tear it apart and just dip in the soup and just surround the table in the kitchen together, just enjoying that. So that's the whole process. Oh my word. Well, you can, I, my mouth is watering. <laughs> Because it's so stinking good. It's so stinking good. Um, Jenny, first of all, what you have done here is absolutely amazing. So thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Hang on just a second. I'm going to do something. Yeah, just a second. All right, let's go back to where we were. Um, and Jenny, we just say kudos to you. That was a ton of work, but I know you, at least you're enjoying the benefit. <laughs> I don't yes. have to say. Uh, Leah, anything you want to add? Um, when Jenny was pulling that out of the oven, I remembered that I will always make two loaves at a time. I just double the recipe um, just because our family consumes so much of it. So we'll pull one out of the oven. And just like Jenny said, we cut right into it within minutes. And then the second loaf that will come out later, I will, I'll often freeze it. So you can freeze this and then warm it back up and it's it's lovely. So um, that helps us to be a little bit more efficient with our time to make two at a time. Yes, Leah, I wanted to uh, mention that too, that day I, we went in a different direction, but I have forgotten or not had time to continue the baking. So I have actually that, that one that was um, proofing after folding, if you take, where is it? If you take this before you put it in your proofing basket, the one that after the last fold you put in the bowl, I have taken that and wrapped it in wax paper, put it in a Ziploc bag and have frozen that 
unbaked before the last proofing. And you can take it out the night before and just let it thaw at room temperature and re-knead it and then let it rise again. It's totally fine. I have frozen this at almost every level. Wow. That's, that's good to know. And I'll have to tell you all, and, and I think it's just a mental thing with me. I, when they're rising, I set it over by my fireplace. I cover it with a towel and set it by my fireplace. I love the way it smells. And and I and it probably makes it rise faster because it's a little bit warmer. It's not hot, hot. My, it's a gas fireplace. But I love the feeling of my bread is over by the fireplace. <laughs> I love it. Reaching it up. I have a bread proofing drawer. And Absolutely. so it's actually a bread proofer. Wow. And so that's where I put all my bread because I grew up on homemade bread. So that's why it just killed me not to bake bread anymore. And so this entire drawer is for bread proofing. And so I can have multiple loaves in there. And so I love that too, because it smells up the whole house. And I love that you have flour on your apron. I look like a holy mess when I'm done. I have flour all over me. And I'm so glad Jenny said when we first came on here, we should have aprons that says choices on it. Yes. And you know what? Daggone it. I'm going to add that to my store. <laughs> well, you guys, I think this has been fun. But I think the thing that everybody hopefully got from this is A, your gut controls everything. And Dr. Edwards says it every time we're together. And you're exactly right, Leah, when it said gut controls hormones too. If you fix your gut, a lot of your problems go away. And uh, so I you know the natural ferma ferm fermentation is, is the natural way to do it. Well, you guys have been a blessing to everybody. I, I don't even know what kind of gift card I could even give you to thank you for all this. But now when people say, how do you do this? You can just send them this YouTube link. <laughs> and say watch this anyway thank you guys so very much and hang on just a second i'll remove you just a second oh i don't want to do that hang on a minute i'm, I'm trying something new today you guys so who knows if this is even working um oh well we'll just close with everybody still on the screen because i can't figure that out but you guys next week you're going to meet robin Rowland. robin is a friend of mine who loves to cook and she's going to take you on a tour of her kitchen, all the tools that she uses in her kitchen that she has found over the years that have been official to her. So be sure to tune in. And you guys, thank you so much for being part of Common Sense Choices. Be sure to comment and share. And your name will be into the drawing next week. Until then, happy baking. Happy baking.